0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash
1: switch.
2: $45 upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all.
3: And definitely check out those shows as well. Jamel Hill is the author of Uphill, a memoir. Jamel is the Emmy award-winning former co-host of ESPN's SportsCenter and 2018 NABJ Journalist of the Year. Hill is a contributing writer for The Atlantic, where she covers the the intersection of sports, race, politics, and culture. She is also the producer of a Disney ESPN documentary with Colin Kaepernick. She grew up in Detroit, graduated from Michigan State University, and now lives in Los Angeles. Welcome, Jamel. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss your memoir, Uphill.
4: Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course, I enjoy talking about my favorite thing, which is this memoir.
3: Oh, I enjoy talking about my favorite things, which is my, which is me. <laughs>
4: which
3: is me. <laughs> Well, I'm, I feel like it's so fitting to come on this. Not that this show is really for moms anymore. Although of course there are lots of moms and non-moms and everything, but the relationships between you and your mom and your grandmother are so profound and interesting and emotional and I mean, the experiences that you've all lived through, your relationships to each other. I mean, that was for me, the heart of this whole story. And I know things have happened in your career and you've become this hugely successful person and ESPN and all this, but when you went really deep into you and their experience, it was so moving and so good. So anyway, just
4: had to say that. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, it was, I think the, the, difficulty in writing a memoir is that you're you're writing obviously about real people and while my grandmother's no longer, longer living you know obviously my mother is and we still have a, a, a good relationship and so you have to approach how you write about them with honesty and transparency for sure but also with care and delicacy and even empathy I mean this is not something that I had to manufacture it's something that I naturally felt but whether it was them or any of the other people that I wrote about in the book, especially those relationships that are still in my life and a part of my life that I want to preserve, is that that's always something that you have to weigh as you're trying to tell your story, be candid, be honest, and bring the emotion to the pages as you felt it in that moment and as you still feel it. So it was, it's, it's quite a balancing act, which makes writing a memoir just wildly different than obviously anything I've ever written.
3: Yes. Oh my gosh. You start with your own childhood, you start going and you go back to your a lot of the backstory with your mom and your grandmother and when you're recounting some of the things that happened to your family and your mom when she was younger, I was, you know, I occasionally I was just like, "Oh my gosh, no again. I can't believe this. All the sexual assault your mom went through." Like the scene in the van, like then at the liquor store, like all over and over, there were just so many things that happened to her. And I was like, by the time we get to the end where you're, you, the two of you are still like together and like at a, you know, an event and like, you know, sitting somewhere as something, I was like, oh my God, how is she even just still sitting there? Like she's gone through so much stuff. How can she just walk down the street? I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's the un, the misfortune and it's just so awful and the trauma that she went through. And then for you to be the daughter to absorb all that, that's a lot.
4: It is. And believe it or not, the reaction that you're having right now in this moment or as you read it is the same reaction that I had as she was telling me some of this. A lot of it I knew, or I would say more than 50% of it I knew, but there were parts in the book I did not know until she told me as I sort of interviewed for her for this book so I could figure out how I wanted to tell this story, how, you know, just even knowing some of the finer details to make sure I had the accuracy right, to make sure at time and place and, you know, frankly, the difficulty of taking her back through the worst moments of her life. And I tried to be very careful in how I did that. So when I first started to begin the writing process and was talking to her and talking about our family history overall, I sort of started with the lighter stuff first, the first, and then, I wanted to save all the harder and more difficult things for a couple conversations and not constantly go back to her and say, hey, well, what about, you know, the rape in Texas? And what about this part and that part? I didn't want to do that to her, to re-traumatize her in any way. And even in discussing, you know, that rape, I I knew it happened and had known it for a long time, but there were small details that I did not know. You know I didn't know how she was abducted I didn't know in you know I didn't know that's how exactly how it happened and even some of the things that she dealt with following that i didn't i did not know so it was very eye opening for me. I had long forgiven my mother for you know some of the difficulties I experienced in my in my childhood, and i have always given her a lot of grace but I think learning about the things that I didn't know and the things that she survived made me sort of triple the amount of grace that I'd already given mm-hmm. her. And I have often have the same reaction that you have, which is I cannot believe she was able to withstand all of this and that she is, is still here. And not just still here, but thriving and having gone back to, to get her master's and yeah, done all these things. Yeah, done all these things as... Uh, As uh, an adult at that stage in her life that, you know, a lot of people would not have been able to accomplish given the severity of the trauma she experienced through the majority of her life.
3: And then you also write about your own traumas, even the car accident. Like, that was terrible. Talk a little more about that. And do you think about that often? And, you know, the people coming in and out of your lives and the poverty and, like, the rat, the infested... I mean, you. I'm just, like, so in awe, you know? Yeah. You, I, mean, I well, know you're not the only one. And I know these stories, you know, it, it's just you're, it's just such a warrior to get through all of it, like almost dying in the hospital with this accident. Oh my gosh, you poor thing.
4: Well, sadly, my story is relatable. Mm -hmm. That's the sad part. And that's, what's unfortunate is that I'm not the only person uh, in this world and certainly not in this country to have parents who are recovering addicts, who not the only person who, you know, had an impoverished childhood and had gone through all these, the, the experiences themselves are unique, but the mm-hmm. situations are kind of yes. relatable. But, you know, in terms of my car accident that I that I was in, where I, I flatlined and, you know, was thrown out of this car after this, you know, kind of freak accident, if you will. In the, you know, at the time, you know, as a child, you don't really process what's happening. And, you know, the, as I wrote about in the book, what I think about in the moment is like what it allowed me not, what I wasn't able to do because of it. You know, sports are were have always been a big part of my life and to be told temporarily that I, you know, could not play sports and not find a way to interact with other kids and then physically the way I looked after this accident was, you know, obviously very detrimental, you know, as a child you want to fit in. You know, you want to be with your peers and you want to feel accepted and to not really feel that because these lingering injuries that I suffered, uh, that was tough. You know, that was a tough time in my life. And, you know, later on, as I grew into adulthood, I, that's when you start thinking about your purpose. That's when you start thinking about how close you were to not being here. And you wonder, as I've always wondered, like, what was the reason? You know, and, or, and it doesn't have to be a thing where I'm questioning the things that, that are happening in my life, but more or less looking at it from the standpoint of, There's a reason why I'm here and I have to make sure that every day when I get up that I'm faithful to whatever that reason is. I don't always know what it is, but there's clearly a reason why I'm supposed to be here. And so part of my purpose, my drive, my ambition is built around always being very intentional about understanding why I am here. And to make sure that with these God-given talents, these positions I've been placed in, that I'm maximizing it at all times because there's a reason that I'm here. And so, because again, as I write about in the book, I very easily could have not been here. And so it's just something, you know, that's kind of, it's, 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 it's something that drives you, but at the same time, it's also very heavy to deal with.
3: Yeah, of course. And one thing that you did when you were younger is turn to books, which Mm -hmm. I also did. And probably many listeners and you said, instead of this is can I if I could just read these two paragraphs, is that okay? You said, I had anger, resentment, fear, and longing bubbling inside me and nowhere to dump those feelings. I was too embarrassed to talk about my mother with any of my friends. I shared some things with my grandmother, but talking to her was difficult because I knew she would just use whatever I told her to badmouth my mother to her friends and other people in our family. Instead of confiding in someone from my inner circle, I turned to two trusted outsiders. Judy Bloom and Margaret Simon. Judy Bloom was one of my favorite authors. I read everything I could from her: Superfudge, Dini, Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing, and It's Not the End of the World. But my favorite book of them all was "Are You There, God? It's Me, and Margaret."
1: Um,
3: <laughs> and then at the end, you said that's how you started writing. Mm-hmm. So tell me, tell me more about that and your lifelong lo- love of reading and Judy Bloom and 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 all that. it.
4: <laughs> yeah, Beverly Cleary and Judy Bloom, my, yeah, my two best friends in my in my, in my head. Uh, yeah, I, I was a voracious reader from the beginning, and um, as I write about it, in, in my memoir, it, you know it's that love was stoked, and I'm sure this will be of great comfort to parents that are listening. Is that it was stoked by the fact that my stepfather read to me on a regular basis, and so yes, it does actually take root, parents, that when you read to your children, it does stoke that love of reading in them. It may not seem like it, but it does. And so I think about those early childhood books that I love, Curious George, Frog and Toad, you know, uh, I still have a copy of Frog and Toad somewhere. It's like, you know, my favorite childhood book, that entire series. And that is what made me want to read. And so I just started reading as a young adult continue that habit lost a little bit in college because when you have to read in college, it's a totally yes. different thing. Mm-hmm. I did not do much pleasure reading in college, I will I will say, but luckily, you know, picked it back up, you know, once I, it was some distance between uh, my professional life and, and college. So, uh, you know, I've always found great comfort in books. I think books change your perspective on the world. Book, books make you curious about the world. And I, it's hard for me to even fathom where my life would be, you know, without books. And it made me want to be a writer, even though I didn't know how that process worked. I didn't know how you know how one becomes an author at all. but it is what totally drove me to do what I'm doing now. I always saw myself as somebody who would eventually write a book. I just never thought that it would be a book about me it would be my first <laughs> book. I always wanted to be a fiction writer because it wasn't until. Much later in adulthood, that I actually started to read nonfiction. Most of my life, I have read fiction, but now I've sort of made a turn where uh, I think, in part, because I had to write a memoir, like where I've become hugely invested in in reading a lot of nonfiction. So, books were just a lifesaver for me. Um It certainly it stoked my imagination, and it allows you to get kind of lost in a in a universe in a world that's not your own. And, you know, I know people have different ways in which they decompress. But for me, that way is, is through books.
2: Me too. <laughs> Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you
3: Have you read anything amazing lately? I mean, I just read your book, but what did you read?
4: <laughs> well, right now, and this is also, I think, the great part as well about being in the profession, being in the profession that I'm in. You know, being a journalist is that, especially because I have to interview people. I'm constantly like, I, I am the interviewer. That if you've if you've written a book, I'm going to read it, right? And so it's. I, that part I love because it it allows me to read books that I may not have picked up on my own. Mm -hmm. So right now I'm reading a book called go ahead in the rain and it is by the writer's last name. I'm afraid to say, because I know Mm -hmm. I will mispronounce it, but his first name is Hanif, and he, this book, I'm a hip hop fan as well. And this book is about a tribe called quest and uh, one of the, you know, best rap groups in history. And so he wrote this book just about their dynamic, their relationship. It's really about music and sound and it, it it's really, really good. And so uh I'm almost done with that book. And I've read some like in 2022, I read a lot of amazing books and probably the best book I, I read on the fiction front was a book called Night Crawling by Leela Motley or Leela or Layla Motley. And this book is phenomenal. I mean, I cannot believe this young lady wrote this book at 18 years old and she won the national book award. And it was, you know, the, the, the best books are when you, as you're reading it, you feel something shift inside of you. And mm-hmm. that's what this book is. And so I, that, that was my best, you know, probably book recommendation of, of, of 2022. And, probably the best memoir I read in 2022, I'm not counting my own, of course, is is Viola Davis's uh, Finding Me. I mean, that is, you want to talk about a woman that you are, you will look at and say, how is she still here? Read her book. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, her book is extraordinary. Or better yet, my, my, my suggestion would be to listen to the audiobook. And uh-huh. I know some people don't love audiobooks and sometimes there can be this uh, sort of divide between the, the book readers and the audiobook listeners. The reason the audiobook is worth it is because she does it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Viola Davis is a powerful actress and this is the best audio book I've ever heard. I'm not surprised at all that she's up for a Grammy for it because it's just that good. So that was probably the best memoir that I, I read in 2022 because, you know, as you know from my book, I grew up poor. The level of poverty that Viola Davis grew up under is a different level. And mm-hmm. so um, she made me feel rich by reading her book. I would say that, that I grew up rich by reading it, but she has been through some extraordinary challenges and, you know, that woman is a, a walking testimony. So those would be sort of my recommendations from my 2022 a lot. Uh, we're still early in 2023, yeah. so I still have <laughs> a lot of books, I still got a lot of books to get to this year that I'm very much uh, looking forward to.
3: That was a great recommendation. That has been on my list of things I need to read. Sometimes I prioritize mm-hmm. all the ones I'm doing. I do 365 podcasts a year. So I'm like, I have to read those books. <laughs> but oh, uh, wow. anyway, I haven't, uh, I don't know. So I'm sometimes I'm like, well, I'm not going to read it because she's not coming on my podcast. <laughs> but anyway, I'll, maybe I'll try again, you know, to get her on. Um, but I like audio books in particular by authors who who th- that are memoirs. I'm not as I mean, maybe I shouldn't even say this, but I don't, I don't, I have a harder time following fiction on audiobook, you know, I, but that when somebody sense, telling them, they're s- telling me their story and their words. I'm like, Oh yeah, keep it coming.
4: You know, I honestly, if I, if you asked me my preference, I would probably say the same thing, like a, mm-hmm. a fiction book, I would prefer to actually read and, yeah. and, and I'm a feel the pages person, but yeah, I, 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 unfortunately I don't have a library as extensive as yours in terms of space so it's like I have to make decisions, like as much as I want to physically read this book, I have to make tough choices. And then I'll just, you know, obviously resort to reading it uh, electronically. But a, a fiction book, if it's by somebody, I guess, newsworthy of note, you know, like I listened mm-hmm. to Will Smith's audiobook, which was phenomenal as well. The actors have a built in cheat code. OK, so yeah, like whenever true. you read Yeah. Uh, Or if you do an audio book that, you know, an actor has done, you're probably in for a much different audio experience than you are, say, when I did my audio book. And yeah, so I I, kind of make the same separation that you do. It's like, I'll do a memoir or even something non, you know, fiction and audio. Mm -hmm. uh, But I don't want to read. I don't want to listen to fiction. I want to read it.
3: Yeah. I thought there was maybe something wrong with me. <laughs>
4: like, no, no. I just can't I, I think follow you're right. it
3: as much. I just can't. I don't know what's wrong, but yeah. maybe that'll be a goal. Get better. One of my <laughs> favorite audiobooks, by the way, I don't know if you've read Jodi Patterson's book, A Bold World, mm. but she read that herself. She had a, you know, many kids, including one who was trans. And um, anytime I think about that book, I think about her saying the word Penelope. And she has this kind of like dark, lo- lower voice and like Penelope this and da,
4: da, da.
3: I don't know. I like feel like by the time I interviewed her, I'm like you're like my best friend. You don't even know me. So.
4: <laughs> well, the audiobook experience for uh, an author, you know, like, especially me being a first time author and, you know, uh, not being an actor is, it's, it's a little weird. It's a little disconcerting. I mean, I probably, it's probably took me a couple weeks to do mine. And when the sound of your own voice, most people don't like it. I don't like the sound of my own voice. And, but that's all you're sort of hearing, and it's it was fun to do, but also nerve-wracking to do it. Because <laughs> you're, you're trying to, you know, you you have to sell it in a different way. And then the writer in me, when I was writing the book, I never even thought about the fact that I would probably have to do an audio book. So I, as I'm doing my audio book, I'm also sort of mentally swearing at myself like why did you make these sentences so long like, it's, and then there there are just words that you're so used to writing that you're not used to saying mm-hmm. aloud. Yep. and so I, there was a probably a new collection of like 15 20 words that I realized I can't really say <laughs> I don't I don't actually know how to say and, and pronounce but I know how to write them I can't necessarily yes. say them aloud so it's It's a very humbling experience.
3: That's totally happened to me too. Somebody will say a word. I'm like, oh my gosh, is that how you say that? I've always, in my head, it was something totally different, but yeah.
4: Exactly.
2: (laughs) Oh my
3: gosh. So you write, sort of the second half is more about your career and everything that's happened with that and negotiating, eventually leaving ESPN and, you know, moving on to your, not to mention, little cameo by Donald Trump. I mean, there's, (laughs) your, your life is like crazy. What are you going to do now? Like, what is your, What what are you doing? What are you continuing to do from before? What are you doing now? And how is the book
4: uh, life? No, the the book has been you know really life changing, and it still it still just strikes something in me when I you know I had this experience you know going through the airport and I went into uh, Hudson's Books because I think they're the largest bookseller, and then to see my memoir sitting there it was just it was surreal it was like wow my book is actually in a store you know and actually people can buy it at the airport and even because on social media people send uh I just got somebody just sent me a photo that uh, they were on the subway and they saw a woman reading my book and Aww. that's like yeah that's like the coolest you know thing they were in a subway in New York and I was like oh this is just so cool so, you know, it's been it, and, you know, it's it's been different being asked more about, you know, personal things in my life as opposed to current events or, you know, social, political or sports events, because that's mm-hmm. what I'm primarily asked about or had been in, until this time. And so now being asked about me and talking about myself constantly is it's, it's kind of interesting uh, i made that joke earlier in the podcast but yes my favorite thing me it was sort of tongue-in-cheek because i was like i spent weeks talking just about myself and i was like wow that's a lot <laughs> yeah so that's been that's certainly been life-changing to have this out there in, in the public and have people digesting it and re- it's been warmly received which obviously is is what you want as an author but, yeah, now it's it's sort of like I'm moving to a different, um, you know, phase in my life, just in, in the sense of uh, while, you know, writing will always be central to what I do, I still write for The Atlantic. And, you know, uh, but I also am moving into this phase where I'm getting into more things on the production side. So uh, I'm executive producing uh, Colin Kaepernick's documentary that's being directed by Spike Lee. So we're like knee deep in production in that. So that has a significant amount of my attention. Uh, I also have started a podcast network with Spotify. I have my own podcast on Spotify called Jamel Hill is Unbothered, uh, which is a weekly podcast. I do not do 300 episodes a year. So when you say 300 episodes, it's like oh my 365 God. every day, 365. every single day. Yeah that's incredible. That's no, insane. I, I am, I, I stand in awe thank you. You. <laughs> So you also make me feel like I'm not working hard enough. I think I do maybe- You're like a slacker. You're a total episodes. slacker. Yeah, I am totally I'm, slacker. Yeah. I'm, yes, I'm clearly exactly. not on the ball. I'm here but, to make um, you feel bad.
3: That's my job here today.
4: Thank you. You successfully <laughs> achieved it. <this>. Great, perfect. <laughs> but I, I started a podcast network at Spotify, uh, specifically that centers uh, Black women. So we launched our first two podcasts, Uh, Late last year in in November, uh, one is called Sanctified, um, which is about really how black women uh, worship. The other one is called the Black Girl Bravado, which is a wellness podcast that's really both of them are extremely funny. You know, and the the, uh, all of the hosts, these are some really dynamic women and I think people will enjoy. And so those are also available on Spotify. And so I have a few more TV and film projects coming up in this next quarter or this quarter, I should say. And so, yeah, it's just kind of ramping up the production side of my life. That will, at least it looks like for 2023, that will be sort of the defining bar of my life is all these TV and uh, documentary and film productions that I have in the works.
3: So cool. Really fun. Mm -hmm. Thank thank you. Well, I could make like a bad joke. Like it was all uphill, but I feel like it's downhill from here. (laughs) (laughs)
4: People say that my da- only- downhill is is the follow up memoir. Oh, okay, good. A sequel, a sequel. The sequel is going to be called Downhill. We need like a little like
3: plateau, you know, like plateau. Yeah, yeah.
4: Uh, well, I, I because of you know, as you know from reading the book, the first part of it is so heavy that I was yes. like, man, the next thing I read, I got to make sure that it's like kind of joyous and uplifting because yeah. I don't want people. To think that, you know, um, my life is just consumed by these dark things. And even people who read it, I I often tell them, I said, Don't worry, it gets lighter as you go. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> it, it gets that's lighter. True. It gets lighter as you go. <laughs>
3: that's true. But I like I like like wallowing in the
4: dark in the story, in stories. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, sometimes how you like feel like you get a sense of who people are. Yeah. It's so true. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, this was awesome. I'm sorry I made you feel bad. Ha ha, not kidding. Uh, <laughs> not kidding. <yeah, laughs>
4: um, right? Sort of. Yeah. Sort of-ish.
3: But anyway, it was great to connect. Um, good luck with all your stuff coming up, and and thank you. This was really, um, you know, really a moving read, and you know, congratulations.
4: Well, well, thank you, and I appreciate uh, you know you having me on, and and I always good to connect with a, another fellow avid uh, book reader.
3: I feel like you and I should interview Viola Davis together. Maybe that's why I'm with.
4: You, I'm in. You want I'm to do in. that? <laughs> I'm in. Let you me can. know. I am 100% in it. <laughs> okay.
3: Maybe I'll, I'll pitch it with like guest hosts of you. And I'm can, in. Okay. All right. We'll see we if it works. It.
4: Okay. <laughs> All right. Take All
3: care. Right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books.